Hey everybody, welcome to Money's No Object. I am your host, Dylan Howell. This is episode number 120 of our YouTube channel and podcast, and I cannot be more excited to continue sharing with you guys personal finance topics that I think can be useful to you in your long-term financial journey. Today, what we are going to talk about is a basic economic concept that drives most of the things financially in your life, and that is the basic concept of supply and demand. And I know many of you have heard of the concept of supply and demand, but I want to make clear uh, what it is and how it impacts our lives every single day. Uh, That way you can be more aware uh, of how certain uh, concepts and how certain ideas such as supply and demand uh, are constantly impacting you even when you don't feel uh, like that is a contributing factor to whatever's going on with you financially. Before we get started though, if you could go down below, hit the big red subscribe button, like this video, leave me any feedback in the comments down below and I'll be sure to get back to you there. Uh, If you're listening on Apple or Spotify podcasts, then make sure to subscribe there and leave me a review on either one of those platforms. Follow me on social media at MNO with Dylan and uh, that's really good supplemental material that I'm posting day by day uh, that goes right along with the things that I am uh, talking about daily in the long form YouTube channel and podcast episodes. Uh, So check that out. And then if you need somebody to help you to create a financial plan that would work best for you, uh, one that uh, would meet your needs and help you to push towards your long-term financial goals, I can help you do that. Just go to my website, www.mnowithdylan.com. Click on the Work With Dylan tab, and you can choose the financial coaching session type that would work best for you, and then we can begin pushing towards your long-term financial goals together. Now, as I said, supply and demand are uh, two of the most basic concepts uh, in economics. And then why would I be going over something so basic? Uh, Because it does have a profound impact on your life. How they play, how they interact with one another does have a profound impact on your life. And so I want you to be able to look at things in the finance world and be able to look at them through a supply and demand view Uh, and understand exactly what's going on in different areas. But what I'll start with today is just some definitional things, just understanding exactly what demand is and then what supply is, and then how the two play together uh, when it comes to any type of financial assets or financial transactions uh, or anything of the like. Now, when we look at supply and demand, we're typically looking at them as curves. And uh, the supply curve is going to be a positive upward sloping curve, and the demand curve is going to be a negative downward sloping curve. And the reason that this is is because the two axes that we're talking about uh, are price on the y-axis and then a quantity uh, on the x-axis. So quantity being uh, either quantity demanded or quantity supplied. And so basically what we're looking at here, if demand is a downward sloping curve, right, that means that as the price drops, there will be greater demand. Uh, And so this is pretty intuitive, uh, but let's just use a simple example. Um, Obviously, if you are going to the grocery store and uh, you're purchasing something off of the shelf and it costs, uh, you know, $5 and you purchase that thing for $5, everything cool. But let's say uh, next week it was marked down to $1. Well, why is it marked down to $1? It's marked down to $1 so the grocery store can get people to actually buy that thing so they can increase the demand for that product. So that's why you see a downward negative sloping uh, demand curve because 
uh, as you see greater demand, obviously the price must be lower. And then uh, the opposite is true. As price is higher, demand is typically lower because uh, as the prices of goods continue to increase and increase and increase, uh, there are fewer individuals that are either able to or willing to pay for whatever that is. Uh, and therefore you see that decrease uh, in quantity demanded. Now then the basic idea of supply uh, is in much the same way of the idea of demand as well. When the prices of a product or uh, some commodity or something of the like uh, increases, then producers are willing to manufacture more in order to realize greater profits. And so falling prices actually depress production. Uh, so the lower prices are, uh, the less the supply of a particular uh, good or product will be. Uh, and so that's why you see the positive upward sloping uh, supply curve because you see that when there is higher prices on the y-axis, then you will have uh, a higher amount supplied uh, and the opposite is also true. A good example of this would be something like the iPhone. So if we look at the iPhone and we say, okay, uh, if there is, uh, you know, the iPhone is selling for $1,000 or whatever it may be selling for uh, at MSRP. Well, Apple being a company that has a product that many people want and there's a lot of brand recognition and people want to purchase that product, you know, very, very often. People are buying new iPhones every single day uh, because it is a very recognizable brand, very user-friendly brand. Then what ends up happening and what could happen uh, is that Apple increases price and price continues to go up uh, because there are more and more people wanting to purchase uh, Apple iPhones. And then Apple may say, well, let's just, you know, make a lot of these because the more we can make and end up selling, uh, the more profits we can make because prices are higher. Uh, and so that's what can end up happening. But you see the demand portion of that because that was pushed by the fact that there was actually demand for the product in the first place. Uh, and so with the increased demand for the product, uh, it shifted that demand curve. So what ends up happening is you have that downward sloping demand curve uh, and that demand curve shifted to the right because there was greater demand. And when there is greater demand, then there tends to also be uh, a greater supply and also a higher price for that particular product. So this is a really good example uh, of how not only supply and demand are in a bubble, but how they can also work together with one another. Now, the thing about supply and demand is that a proper balance has to be achieved uh, where both parties, the purchaser of a product and the uh, maker of a product, the consumers and the producers, uh, where they are both able to engage in ongoing business transactions uh, to the benefit of them both. Therefore, uh, the price of some product cannot just you know fly into the stratosphere. It can't just continue up and up and up and up and up all the time. Uh, there has to be at some point uh, that the consumer will say, well, I'm not going to buy this anymore. And there's also a lack of demand that consumers would provide uh, that would make supply less beneficial to uh, the particular company that is producing whatever it may be. Therefore, uh, they have to come to some equilibrium. So there's the supply and demand curves. Wherever they cross one another, uh, that is known as the equilibrium price uh, that we are realizing in that particular place. And the reason that that is important is because as demand shifts, like I said a moment ago, or uh, 
uh, there's a possibility that supply may shift, then so will the equilibrium. So uh, just in its simplest form, if supply is to decrease, uh, then you will see increases in price because we know that scarcity uh, causes prices to increase. Uh, when something is less common in the marketplace, then prices will commonly increase. Um, and that's how it would work if you were to shift the supply curve to the left uh, in the supply and demand curve graph. And then similarly, if the supply curve uh, were shifted to the right, if there's more supply, meaning there's more product out on the shelves, then you're going to see lower prices. And why is that? Because uh, if you see more of something in the market, if it's not very scarce, if anybody can get their hands on it, uh, then the price will decline. And so uh, that is how it would work with supply. But with demand, increases in demand increase price, right? Because if more people want something, uh, the way that you can counteract that as a particular company or a producer is to uh, increase the price of whatever it is. And then obviously less demand will be lower prices uh, because, I mean, if nobody wants what you have, you can't sell it for a very high price premium. And so uh, there will be lower prices for things with lower demand. Now let's think for a moment about financial markets. So you may say, okay, supply, demand, I, I kind of get it. What is the point? What is the point of even talking about this? Well, think about the stock market. Think about uh, publicly traded companies. Think about their stock price. Well, what drives a company's stock price? Well, supply and demand. And this is exactly how uh, that would end up working out for an individual company stock. If you have a stock that a bunch of people want, right? There's a lot of demand for the stock. People are buying it, buying it, buying it then what ends up happening? The price of that stock is going to increase. Uh, similarly, if there is less demand, if less people want to buy it, and people are even selling uh, the stock in high amounts, then uh, what will happen? The price of the stock will decline. And so that would be how that would work out uh, based on the demand for the stock. But what about the supply? Well, Obviously, if there are more shares outstanding, right? If there are more shares of a particular company in the market, then what does that do? That dilutes each share, meaning uh, that makes each share worth incrementally less based on the amount of shares that were put in the market. So as supply of the shares increases, then you will see price decrease. Uh, and then in the same way, uh, if companies go about repurchasing their shares, meaning taking shares out of the market, so now there are less shares outstanding to the public, uh, then what ends up happening as that supply curve is to shift to the left is that you will see increases in per share price. Now you see that this idea of supply and demand does drive our financial transactions. It drives uh, markets. It drives the stock market. It drives uh, markets for many types uh, of goods and services, uh, commodities, all different types of things. Uh, now, obviously things are not 100% driven by supply and demand and it doesn't work absolutely perfectly, uh, but in aggregate, this is what's going to occur all else equal. Now, the issue of supply and demand also arises when we are talking about things like interest rates. And so obviously um, our debt, right, as an individual can be impacted by the idea of supply and demand. Uh, because what we know is that if not many people want uh, to go out and get a loan or get some type of debt, 
then the banks are going to have to coerce individuals into taking out loans, into uh, taking money from the bank uh, in return for some interest payment uh, and return of principal over time. And so what ends up happening? Well, uh, as the demand for uh, a particular loan or the demand for just borrowing money in general uh, is lower, then you will see uh, the rates that are offered also. Now this works in the same way as price because we said if demand decreases, then price is going to decrease. Well, in this case, if demand is to decrease, then so will rates. Uh, but if a lot of people are borrowing, if a lot of people are borrowing very freely, then what you will end up seeing is uh, it will be more uh, likely that there will be higher rates offered. First of all, more individuals will actually be receiving loans. And thus, if that is the case, then, um, then individuals will be receiving higher interest rates on certain loans as well. So this actually does play in to our real life in that way. And now, uh, the reason uh, that we look at supply and demand in this way, and the reason that I wanted to talk a bit about debt in this way is because what have we seen in the past year? What we have seen is that there has been a flood of money into the market. The supply of money uh, has increased dramatically. And so we're not just looking from the demand side, we're also looking from the supply side. And so when there's this increase in supply, this large increase in the supply of money, that pushes down the equilibrium price of that money. So it pushes down interest rates. And not only does it push down interest rates, obviously the Fed uh, sets interest rates very, very low due to the economic disruption of the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, but it pushes rates way down. That's why if you want to go get a home loan right now, or you have in the past, you know, six, eight, 10 months, uh, you have likely gotten a very, very good deal and a very, very low rate. Uh, so that is a benefit to consumers, but it's due to supply and demand. That is what is pushing uh, this idea of interest rates. Then what we may end up seeing is that this demand push, right? This demand push for this money uh, may actually lead to some higher rates because a bunch of individuals are taking out home loans. Then the rates on those home loans will push upward a bit at a time. And so you see uh, that when you are taking out a home loan, it is uh, very heavily impacted by supply and demand and not just some Federal Reserve just choosing some rate because the rates don't stay exactly the same every single day. What makes the rates change? What makes the rates fluctuate? Well, the supply uh, of money and the demand for that money. And uh, obviously this is all based on some prime rate. It's all based on some benchmark rate that is set by uh, the Federal Reserve, but the fluctuations from that particular rate uh, are all based on supply and demand. Now, a very important place that I think we can go with this uh, discussion of examples of supply and demand and uh, how they can actually impact your life uh, realistically. Well, at least with a stock, right? If I'm investing in a stock, obviously supply and demand are pushing at that particular stock. Uh, but it is all based on some fundamentals, right? It's based on something that the company itself is doing that is creating either demand for the stock or it is informing their decision to change the supply of the number of shares into the market. Uh, and if that is the case, uh, then we know that if those fundamentals don't change, we know that if 
these fundamentals of this particular company, uh, if they don't change, if they continue to be good or continue to be bad or whatever it may be, uh, then the stock is going to act accordingly. Uh, so even though there is a supply and demand issue, it's not pure supply and demand. It's supply and demand that is impacted by some external factors. Now, Bitcoin is something that has just you know blown up in so many people's minds over the past few months, several years. Obviously, it has been uh, at the forefront, but uh, the past couple months, it has really you know shot to the moon as far as price goes. And as I sit here today, one Bitcoin is going for over $38,500 per Bitcoin, whereas one year ago, it was just $8,822.71 per Bitcoin. And then the question becomes, well, what drives Bitcoin? What drives that price upward so much? Well, supply and demand, right? Uh, and so here is how it is going to work and how it continues to work for things like Bitcoin and gold falls into or any other type of precious metal falls into this category as well. What ends up happening is that there is a fixed supply of Bitcoin. OK, we know how much Bitcoin there is going to be out there. They have made it to be scarce. Now, they've done this via uh, the code, via blockchain, uh, but we know that it is scarce in some way. Uh, in the same way that gold or silver or bronze, there's a finite amount. Even though we may not know exactly what that finite amount is, we know that there is a finite amount. And so we know that supply is going to be fixed, okay? There is not going to be a, a huge change in supply unless there is some surprise uncovering uh, of more gold, silver, bronze. And with Bitcoin, as they continue to mine more Bitcoins, then supply changes slightly, but it is changing a lot less now than it ever was. And this particular change in supply is expected. So it's not something that is not already baked into whatever price you have uh, for one particular Bitcoin. But otherwise, what is driving the price of Bitcoin? What is driving the price of gold? What is driving the price of silver? What is driving the price of bronze or, or platinum or, or whatever else it may be? What is driving those prices? It's demand. It is 100% demand. There is no fundamental backing that is changing these prices. There's nothing fundamentally that is saying that there needs to be an increase in demand or a decrease in demand. It is 100% based on investor sentiment. It's 100% based on behavior. It's 100% based on how much demand individuals feel that there should be uh, for one Bitcoin. And obviously, uh, since we have seen the price skyrocket, what can we deduce? We can deduce that uh, there has been a huge shift in the demand for Bitcoin uh, to the positive side, because if there is an increase in demand, there's also an increase in equilibrium price uh, based on supply and demand. And so that's what we see uh, with these things like Bitcoin, gold, uh, bronze, silver, all those types of things. Now, this also plays into just about any other type of commodity. The difference between precious metals or uh, something like Bitcoin, some digital currency, uh, and any other type of commodity like wheat, corn, uh, anything that you would grow, uh, is that there can be things that actually impact uh, something being grown, right? The, a bad weather snap can make a big difference when it comes to uh, the price of wheat, uh, whether it's going to be higher or lower, uh, and it can have a, a huge impact on uh, the profits of individuals who want to invest in those types of things. 
but when you're talking about precious metals, you're not growing anything. You know what's there. Um, like I said, people are constantly uh, mining new gold, silver, bronze, things like that. So you can come across stores that you didn't know were there, uh, but there are not exogenous factors to coming across those stores. You either come across them or you don't. With other commodities, things that come out of the ground, the weather is 100% exogenous. You cannot control what the weather is. Therefore, the weather can have some impact on uh, the supply of these commodities year over year, uh, which obviously has an impact on whatever their price may be. But uh, when we're talking about precious metals, we're talking about digital currencies. Uh, we are talking about this, this relatively fixed supply with changes in demand based on uh, investor sentiment. And so we've talked about stocks. We've talked about uh, you know precious metals and cryptocurrency and things like that. Well, what about bonds? Well, bonds are also driven uh, by supply and demand because with bonds, what you have is this inverse relationship between the price of the bond and the yield that the bond offers. And it's uh, pretty intuitive because if there's going to be a return of principal at the end of the bond, well, whatever price you buy for from there, it is going to head towards uh, over time the uh, par value, the face value, the uh, original value of the bond uh, that you're going to be due back in principle. And so if we know which way that the price is going to head over the long term, uh, then obviously you know what your yield can be. Therefore, if the price is above the face value, it must come down over time. Therefore, uh, your yield is going to be lower um, because the price decreased. And then if the price begins below whatever face value it is, it must increase. Therefore, the yield is going to be higher over time. Well, what is that? That is nothing more than a supply and demand issue. Why? Because if more individuals are purchasing a particular bond issue, a particular bond of a particular company, then what have we said? When there is a change in demand, right, then there is going to be an increase in price. And the same holds for bonds. Uh, when there is a change, a positive change in demand, there's going to be an increase in price, negative change in demand, obviously a decrease in price. But that's what we'll see. We'll see with bonds that as more individuals buy certain bonds, the price of the bonds will increase, which will also put downward pressure on the yield of the particular bonds. And then the opposite is also true when there is uh, when there is less demand, when there's a lot of selling of a particular bond issue or a particular company's bonds, then what you end up seeing is lower prices and higher yields um, that will come from that particular bond issue. So uh, bonds are not exempt from this idea either. And I just don't think that a lot of you recognize that supply and demand are so interwoven into what you are doing in your everyday life. Supply and demand can absolutely be tied into just about every type of transaction that you do. Uh, we just really don't pay attention to it, and I think it's a shame. So I think this will really open your eyes to be able to pay attention to why you are getting certain rates on things, why you are getting certain prices on things, and how this is going to impact your life and what is actually impacting your life. Uh, and I think that's a very important thing to note in your personal financial life. Uh, even though this is not directly impacting what's going on in your household uh, today, it can impact all types of financial decisions that you make. Now, just to tie this all up, we have talked about inflation this week, and we know what inflation is. We know it is the, the systematic increases of prices of goods and services over time, uh, and that it decreases the value of a particular currency. So what do you think we use uh, to determine what inflation is or the impacts of inflation? 
supply and demand curves. And the reason that this is the case is because let's just take this past year, for example, and the reason that a lot of people think there's going to be a fair amount of inflation moving forward. Why do they think that is? Well, because there has been a lot of money pumped into the economy. Therefore, the demand for goods and services is going to increase based on the increase in money supply. So uh, we talked earlier about when you're increasing the supply of money, it is going to devalue uh, that particular currency. But if you are increasing that supply of money, what you are going to do uh, on the other end is you're going to be able to increase the demand uh, for goods and services. And when you are increasing the demand for goods and services, then what is going to happen? The price of those goods and services will rise typically. And so what is inflation? Inflation is nothing more than the increase of the prices of goods and services, a basket of goods and services, typically you know, based on the consumer price index and the increase in the price of that basket over time. And so if we see an increase in demand for goods and services, then you are likely to also see inflation because prices are rising. And so this is all very, very real to us because uh, if that is the case, then uh, we know that our real returns that we receive on our investments are going to be impacted because any inflation that we have will eat into the real value of our money. Uh, so what impacts the value of our money over time? Supply and demand. And in a very similar way, you know, I've talked about having a savings account and having your money uh, in an emergency fund and, you know, the fact that inflation can eat away uh, at the value of that money. Well, some of you have probably seen this past year that if you have a savings account, that the interest rate that is connected to that savings account that you agreed to has been declining over the course of time. And the reason that that is, uh, is supply and demand again. Because when there are lower rates in the economy uh, and we are trying to spur people towards consumption, uh, why would you save in a savings account uh, making you know less than a percent, you know half a percent, whatever it may be, uh, when you can go out and consume? Because whenever you're trying to get a return as an investor, you are having to delay consumption in order to do so, uh, so it spurs demand for goods and services, which again has an impact on inflation. So you see how it all works together. But supply and demand is having such a real impact on your life. It's having such a real impact on the things that you're purchasing. It's having such a real impact uh, on any type of loan that you may take out, even though, you know, we preach being debt free, but if you're taking out a home loan, it has an impact on that. You know, it impacts uh, all types of things. It impacts, you know, cryptocurrency and stocks and bonds and all of these different things. And so I just want you to be aware. I want you to understand uh, that this idea of supply and demand uh, can allow you to understand why prices are moving away that they are uh, and allow you to be a more informed individual when it comes to your own personal finances. Even though you can't change supply and you can't change demand as an individual, you can understand uh, why these concepts end up lining up with exactly what's occurring in your financial markets. Hey guys, thanks for watching this video. If you could go down below, hit the big red subscribe button, like this video, leave me any feedback in the comments down below, and I'll be sure to get back to you there. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify podcasts, then be sure to uh, subscribe there and leave me a review on either one of those platforms. Follow me on social media at MNO with Dylan, and that's really good supplementary materials to the things I'm putting out in these long form YouTube and podcast episodes every single day. And if you need somebody to help you with your financial life, somebody to help you to create a plan that would work specifically for you and your family, 
uh, I can do that. Just go to my website, www.mnowithdylan.com. Click on the Work with Dylan tab, and you can pick the financial coaching session type that would work best for you, and we can begin pushing towards your long-term financial goals together. So tune in Monday as I'm going to talk about your retirement and not outliving uh, the money that you have saved for retirement. So I think that'd be really useful to all of us uh, who hope to retire at some point one day. So thanks for tuning into this episode of Money's No Object. I'm your host, Dylan Howell. God bless.